Podcasting from the Star Group, home of the iconic Dressable Lions. This is Beyond the Known, the podcast that takes you a step beyond what you know about business. I'm your host, Paul M. Newberger, president of the Star Group. Today, we are joined by Melinda Wilkie, founder of Wilkie Wealth and Investment Planning. Melinda has been named Milwaukee Magazine's 2019 Face of Financial Planning in Milwaukee and has earned the Women of Distinction honor for bringing customized wealth management to women and families. Thanks for being here today, Mindy. Thanks, Paul. Love being here. Awesome. Great to have you in the studio here. So let's get right to work here. Your young son, Reed, who I understand is six and a half, although you say that he likes to boast that he's six and three quarters. Is that correct? Absolutely correct. He's uh, pretty tuned into numbers, so he likes to be pretty exact. He also has a daddy who's an engineer. So perfection and being exact is really important to him. Having a father that's an engineer and a mother who's a financial planner, I can definitely see where Reed gets that from. I understand that he's already picked up on being purposeful with his money. I'd love for you to tell us the story of how he recently decided to begin saving for college. Well, Reed's been saving for college very young. So technically, he's been doing it since he's been about three years old. So he's into it for a while now. Uh, So the way Reed started saving for college is really because uh, we started talking to him about money literally since he's been born. And we've always talked to him about the importance of going to college, but also at the same time being able to afford going to college. And we really believe it's his responsibility to be able to afford a college that he wants to attend and go to. So we've talked about it. It's just a known thing in our household that Reed's going to go to college and Reed's going to pay for it. So he set up a money jar many years ago, as he would say, which is when he was three. And he has this jar. And anytime he had gotten money, whether it was from a gift from somebody or he would earn it. So we don't give money in our household. He can earn money. Whenever he would earn his money, he always would put it in his jar And it was for college. Now at three, I got to be honest, I don't think he truly understood what college was. But anytime he would put money in the jar, we would get excited with him. So as you know, for a three-year-old, anytime you can say good job to him, you get a big smile on your face and you hug him, they know that's a good job. So he would view that as when he would put money in his money jar for college he would get an extra good job, extra smile, extra hugs from mom and dad. So that's really how it started. Again, I really don't think he truly understood college at three and that importance of it, but it started a good habit and that was the importance of it. But now at six and three quarters, uh, he does actually understand what college is. He knows that's a continuation of school. We talk about what mommy had to do for college. So I went to Marquette studied finance. My husband, he also went to Marquette, studied engineering. That's how we met. Uh, We talk about what we had to do in order to get the careers that we have. So he understands that is beyond the high school. He has to go go to college and that that will cost money and it comes from his pocket. So he knows it and he's truly been into saving Again, at three, don't know if he really understood it. That was the good job. But now uh, it's more something that gets him excited. And he will count his money as well. So on a Saturday morning, we tend to try to sleep in a little. 
I will find him in the living room. Literally, his jar is dumped out, and he is sitting there counting his money and excited how much he has going for college already. So Reed seems like a very bright young man. He's good with numbers. He's planning. He's probably also very strategic, looking forward into the future. So we talk about saving for college. Which college, and what does he want to do? Oh, well, he has two colleges, but believe it or not, Michigan, University of Michigan is probably his first. So my husband's family went to Michigan, and Michigan gets cheered for in our household for basketball as well as football. So he really thinks that's a pretty cool school to go to. (laughs) Uh, He also loves the idea of Marquette because mom and dad went there. As an only child, he's pretty involved in just about everything we do. And the idea that he could go to school where mom and dad went is also something important to him. But he does have goals for himself. So he believes he's actually going to be a physician. We live in a neighborhood. We have a lot of physicians that are his uh, friend's parents. And my clients are physicians. So he hears about that a lot. And he believes his wife is going to be the financial planner. And he always says to me, do you think we'll be a good couple and we're going to be okay financially? I smile and I say, I think you're going to be okay. Do you think enough parents are having similar conversations like that with their children? Unfortunately, no. I wish parents would talk more to their children. I think, unfortunately, a lot of parents, when they grew up, money was a taboo subject in their household. And so their growing up meant money wasn't discussed. So they tend to repeat that same habit to their own children. And in fact, I know they're not doing it enough Majority of our clients come to us at around the age of 55 for the very first time to do financial planning. And one of the things that we do is we offer free financial planning to their children. And so they're about 25, 30 years old. And when we meet these 25, 30-year-olds, which they're impressive, very impressive people, it is the first time they're having true conversations about how to save money, goals they have. And so that's an impact we get to have with our clients' children versus we're doing it since birth. And as you can imagine, watching that through my clients' eyes, I knew that was something I needed to do very early on. And then I also in my own family had the experience that my parents had talked with me about money and my siblings extremely young. So it was normal to me to talk about money. But I also watched my clients not do it. And I knew that was a, ooh, I'm going to do it different. How did your parents discuss money with you? Did did they do it much the same way that you're doing it with Reed? Or did they have their own unique style of educating you on the importance of money? A little different and some similarities. So at a very young age, I always remember the game we would play with my dad was the calculator game. I don't know if anybody else ever played this game, but the calculator game was that we would have a calculator and we would give my dad a formula that we would be putting into the calculator. He had to come up with the answer before we would hit enter and he had to be right and beat the calculator. So it was a calculator game as we called it. I'm not sure if this is what other kids do. I'm guessing not, (laughs) but we thought it was fun. And so my dad would do the flip with us, and he would also make sure that we understood how to do math without a calculator. He thought it was really important. We could figure out numbers and make change, right, and do things like that in our head without it. 
So that was our fun time, was playing the calculator game. Uh, the other thing is, I remember very clearly, I was between six and seven years old, and my mom took me to the local bank, and my siblings as well, but of course, I just remember about me, right? Took me to the local bank, and she opened up my very first savings account, and at that time, I got the saving little booklet, uh, which I don't think they do anymore. But it was sort of like a checkbook log, and you kept track that you put money in, and you kept track when you got interest. So my mom taught me the importance of not only saving your money, keeping track of it, but also the power of interest. Now, back then, we were getting interest, (laughs) and I loved it, and I loved the keeping track of it. And so I would go out, and I would do jobs around the house, or I would do jobs in the neighborhood, Actually, that year I broke my leg and I sold signatures on my cast for money and I made tons of money. It was awesome. (laughs) And I was six years old and I put majority of it in the bank. I spent some too, but I loved the concept of it. And then when I was 12, uh, so we had always talked about money in our house. And when I was 12, I remember sitting at the kitchen table with my dad who had always owned a business. So he was always an entrepreneur from day one in his life. And we sat at the kitchen table and he was teaching me how to do his tax returns and how to do the business tax returns and showing me his general ledger of how revenue came into his business, what expenses were, how they're something you write off on your tax return, how you have to keep track of it, how you have taxes and you have to pay that. And then he was showing me the bottom line, how much money actually came into the household Uh, So literally by the time I was 12, I was actually able to do my parents' tax returns, and I did, but I loved it. So I'm guessing other people don't have childhoods like this. Uh, I thought it was normal, and I was really comfortable with it, but because I showed interest in it and I liked it, my parents just really continued on that pathway, you know, for me. And so, you know, we do some things similar. Of course, we can't go get a savings booklet at a bank anymore. So there's some different things we have to do. But um, one of the things in particular, my husband and I, we actually set up a rental business. And we set this up a couple years ago. And our sole purpose for doing it is actually to teach our son how to run a business. So also since birth, we have been talking to him and being very open about how do you find a rental business? How do you run these numbers? What do you do with it? And so we take them to every rental that we have And he is a part of the crew for the rental company. So he has to come in. We walk him around the rental properties and he talks to us about what does he think will be good ideas or bad ideas for the rental property? What would make us more money? What will cost us money? We've had, obviously, the experience of bad tenants. We've had him come in and show him what a bad tenant is, what they do to the property. And for example, we had one where they had little kids and unfortunately they had crayons and they were two years old and anywhere a two-year-old could reach. We had this glorious artwork all over the house, everywhere. And, you know, my son coming in, he, he never did anything like that. So he walks in this house and he just couldn't believe it that somebody would do that. And then he had to watch us clean it and he helped. So he's a part of it, right? And you know, out of it, what he learned is the importance of how do you screen for good tenants. So I've been walking him through this process of 
What are all the steps we have to do? And how do we make it better? Because we must not have done a good enough job, right? And we fail too. It's okay. Mom and dad fail. And so we showed him that and he's been learning and helping me screen now for the next new tenants and how do we make them better? Um, so it's all its own unit. We leave all the dollars within it and is designed. It just pays for itself, but it is going to be someday our son's business that he's going to learn. We're hoping by 15 or 16 that he'll be able to run the whole thing and manage it himself. So we have to teach him these tools. And then when he is college age, ideally, these are going to be some extra funds that could help him be paying for his college. But also he may choose, he doesn't like this and that's okay, right? So it's not something we're forcing on him. But this is a really good way for him to practice and he can fail a hundred times and it won't hurt us and it won't hurt him. It's all encapsulated in itself, but it's a way for him to learn how to run a business by six years old already. And we think that's an important skill for a young person to have. So I can see some parents listening to your insightful words, your words of wisdom and say, this all sounds great, but how do I get started? How would you recommend they even get started taking that first step in educating their kids about money, talking to their kids about money? Absolutely. So first of all, I would tell you that as a parent, uh, you already have been teaching them about money. You just maybe haven't realized it. So your children have been watching and by you leading by example. So how you talk about money in your household or you don't, children pick that up. What you do when you go to the store, they're sitting right there next to you when you buy an item. What's your reaction when you buy it? Do you talk about that it costs a lot of money? Do you put it on your credit card and sweat a little because you're worried about paying off that balance? Do you pay with cash? What do you do, right? So you already have been teaching them whether you know it or not. Hopefully, you're a good example for them to follow. But then the second part I would say to do, be just be more upfront. So freely talk about money, both good and bad. Sometimes parents think you only have to talk about the good with money, and that's not true. You would much rather your kids make mistakes with their dollars, spend too much, right? Get over their head with money at 10 years old than when they're 25 or 30 and they buy too big of a house. That's really hard. Or they take on too big of a student loan and they don't know how to get out from underneath it. I would much rather a child fail with $25 at 10 years old. So talk about money, whatever that means in your household, just start doing it. And then kids are smart. They are so brilliant and their brains are little sponges. And of course they repeat everything, right? So that's how you know their brains are sponges. Talk about what money is doing for you. How is it paying for your house? How does it pay for when you go into a restaurant? How does it pay for the groceries that you put on the food on the table? But also be conscious of when you use a credit card, how do you pay it off? How much money built up on there? They've got to hear about that. When you get a credit card bill in the mail, it's okay to show it to them and explain what that means. The more they can learn, the better. Um, the other thing is there is a ton of books out there about money. So I actually just go on Amazon and I will look for kids and learning about money. And there's like a top 25 list, but there's a ton of them out there. I will actually just look for books and I will order them. And then at night when it's storytelling time, some of the books that I read, this is my really fun, cool like calculator game. <laughs> I will read money books to my son <laughs> as his bedtime story. 
And I know it's so corny. We're not that exciting. (laughs) But that's the stuff that when he goes to bed, he is thinking about it. When he was in 3K, they needed parents to come in and volunteer. It's a great opportunity. So at 3K is when I started volunteering at school. And one of the things I would do is I would come in and volunteer. Of course, you do whatever the teacher needs. But I also asked, could I teach and have, you know, 30 minutes whenever you want, and I'm going to teach the kids about money. And I did it for all three-year-olds in his class. And I do it every year for him in school. So it's it's reinforcing then for his friends as well. I would say it's not hard at all to talk about money every day. It is touching you. Just start being conscious of it and talk freely about it with your kids. And also let them ask you anything. I mean, they will ask you how much money do you earn. They will ask you how big is your credit card balance because they will pick this up. Be willing to be honest with them. Whatever your answer is, it's an okay answer. Just explain it. And maybe this could be a way that uh, maybe they realize your career is a path they want to follow because they want to earn that kind of money. Or maybe they realize it's not a career they want to follow and tell them how you got there so they maybe know they have to work harder or do better in school. Any of your situations, you can always use it as a teaching moment. Too many parents think they have to be perfect. You don't. It's okay. Just teach them. This interview is doing nothing for my self-confidence as a parent because here you are reading money books to your children. And last night I read Captain Underpants to my seven-year-old. So as a parent, it sounds like I've got some work to do in this regard as well. But I, I appreciate you sharing that. Of all the things that you said, and a lot has stood out to me, I think the number one stat that you mentioned almost from the onset was that individuals usually are around the age of 55 when they're sitting down with you for the first time. That is mind-blowing. One, how big of an issue is that for society when people are sitting down with a financial advisor, usually for the first time around the age of 55? And in your opinion, when should people start a relationship with a financial advisor? So we all know our economy, and we also all know about when you listen to people who's prepared for retirement, how much money do they have, how bad is our student loan debt. We all know none of those are good statistics when we hear them about our own economy. And I truly believe a lot of it comes from people wait too long to go to financial planners. And the reason why I think we see them at 55 is because they believe they have to accumulate so much wealth before a financial advisor is willing to talk to them. And I don't believe that's true. There is plenty of really great advisors that are in our industry that would love talking and educating people about money. They just have to be willing to listen, right, and be willing to participate in the conversation. So my wish would be that before people start their very first job, they have had a conversation with a financial planner. Why? Why is that important? Because if once you start earning money, and that means you have money coming into your household on a regular basis, no matter how much it is, good or bad, right? It doesn't matter. You should already know where to put those dollars. And if you're learning that really for the first time at 55, think about how many years that you could have been better and you could have made a bigger impact with the same money. It doesn't mean it has to be a harder life or that you get less. That's not actually true. The bigger impact is that the younger you can be to save, 
the easier it is to achieve your goals. And it actually takes less of your own money to get to those goals. So for me, I would love it if everybody played the calculator game a little bit. And before their first job, they had a conversation with a financial advisor, even if that means 16. If they're old enough to handle a job, they should be old enough to have a conversation with somebody talking about money and what they need to do with it. Well, Mindy, I got to tell you, one of the ways that I judge the value of a conversation is all of the thinking and pondering that I do. And I got to tell you, you've definitely given me some food for thought, not only on the financial aspect, but also how I teach my kids about money. And based on that, this was a very insightful conversation. I guarantee you, I'm not the only one listening to this that felt the same way. So for individuals that enjoyed this conversation, found value in what you had to say, if they wanted to reach out to you, if they wanted to continue the conversation with you, what's the best way to do that? The best way to get in contact with us would just go to our website, which is melindawilkie.com. Super easy. So you just type in my name, melindawilkie.com. And uh, within our website, you will find all different ways you can reach out to us. That would definitely be the best way. Lots of good food for thought, wonderful nuggets of information, and these, this is the kind of information you will only find on the Beyond the Known podcast. Thanks for listening to Beyond the Known with Paul M. Newberger. If you like our show and want to know more, check us out at stargroup.com. That's S-T-A-R-R-Group.com slash podcast. We're also available on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts.